Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we are talking about your 21 and 27 Detroit Pistons. Uh, ben, David Fernandez, and I talk about all the fake trades we've seen this week involving the Pistons. Spoiler alert, we don't like any of them. Not a single solitary one. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what y'all are talking about. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which is something you should be doing anyway, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis during this trying, trying season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I am pleased today to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Hey, Laz, I'm uh, I'm about as good as Reggie Jackson interrupting a Blake Griffin TV interview. How are you doing? I'm doing slightly better than that, I would <laughs> hope. Oh, my God. I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> but uh, joining us and not interrupting at all, because he's not like that at all, is uh, David Fernandez of Detroit Bad Boys. He has his own podcast called uh, Inside the Cylinder. You can find that on what's the name of the podcast network, David? Uh, Almighty Baller, but just don't even worry about that. It's on DetroitBadBoys.com. That's probably the the most trafficked area for for the podcast itself. All right, I mean, like that's your infrastructure. I want to shout it out, you know, best as I can. But uh, how are you doing, man? Good, man. I mean, as we were just saying, life's good. Uh, the Pistons aspect of my life is beginning to to wear on me a little bit but um hey we're all here and at least it, it, during this time with the pistons being as poor as they are it makes this this you know february trade deadline timeline always pretty exciting so um at least we can have hopes and dreams a little bit yeah exactly and like that's why we're here really to to talk about potential trades for the pistons to make prior to the deadline but before we do that i do want to shout out the fact that Blake Griffin has been uh, insane for the entire month of January. He's averaging 31 points, six rebounds, and five and a half assists on 51% from the floor, uh, 37% from three, and 81% from the line. And he's single-handedly led them to wins uh, against New Orleans. He's a huge part of the reason why when we do this podcast about trades, it's not trades to break up the team. It's It's trades to make this team better. Because when you have a guy as good as Blake Griffin is playing right now, you don't uh, tell that guy, like, hey, we're going to suck on purpose. Like, sorry. 
Like that's just not how the that things the, those things go. But to kick off the trade discussion, I think we should go in chronological order. It's been a hectic week of Pistons trade rumors. At the beginning of the week, uh, we got finally the news that Memphis was willing to take calls for Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. Uh, so, Ben, which which one of those two is your preference uh, for the Pistons and why? Ugh. Uh... I guess Mike Conley. I mean, if I have to choose, <laughs> um, but you know, but Conley makes the team better. He's better than Reggie Jackson if he's healthy. Uh, Gasol, I don't, I don't understand why you would do that. Presumably, you're going to have to move a guy like Drummond to do that. Um, you know, Gasol's almost 34 years old. I looked him up earlier today. He's like literally days away from turning 34. So I don't see why you'd do that. Um, I mean, I guess if the price for right was maybe you do Conley, but. Um, you know, if it's Reggie Jackson, Langston Galloway, Luke, and a first, which was, I think, the rumor, um, hard pass on that one. Yeah, David, uh, that was the that was the framework laid out by the the Athletics Omari Sankofa, Reggie Jackson, Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard in the first round pick. In your mind, is that a price worth paying for Mike Conley? No, no. I mean, the the injury concerns alone kind of make me halt a little bit. You know, he missed. 26 games with a foot injury in 2015, 2016. He only missed like 10 or 12 games with that back injury, 2016, 2017. But everyone was expecting him to miss a lot more time than that. And he kind of came back really unexpectedly soon. And then last year, he missed 70 games with an Achilles injury. And then you just look at the contract. You know, he's making 32 mil next season and 34 mil in 2021. Um, And you already have a guy under contract making 30 plus mil a year plus Andre in this hypothetical situation where Detroit would be shelling out. I did the math on this real quick. If next season, the Pistons would be paying Blake Andre and Conley $96 million. And the season after that, it would go up to a hundred million dollars. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big no on Mike Conley, especially with the package that was proposed. Yeah, that is, that is super ugly. And it, it, it's unfortunate, right? Because I definitely think, that the Pistons could use an upgrade at point guard. I don't, if anyone with eyes can see that like Reggie Jackson no longer is the same player he was uh, three, four years ago. But Mike Conley is just way too expensive. It's way too difficult to find a way to build a team around a triumvirate of him, Blake and Dre. Um, that's not to say that if you can swindle Memphis, if you can swindle anyone, you should always try and try and do that. If you use like, Hey Memphis, we'll give you Reggie and John Luer, And like, that'll be, that'll be your Mike Conley package. Like, sure. Go do that. But like, there's no way Memphis would accept anything like that. And you don't want to insult them. And so like, I think that it's, it's better to acknowledge all of the, all of the possible uh, things that other teams are like looking at before we start just like flying off the handle about like how much Mike Conley could help this team because he absolutely could. Um, as far as Mark Gasol goes, uh, Gasol, uh, I like Ben said, a Gasol trade would preclude uh, trading out Drummond, but like Memphis doesn't really need an Andre Drummond. Jaron Jackson Jr. is their center of the future and uh, Andre doesn't really fit next to Jaron in any way, shape or form. And so it, it does not make a lot of sense to like ask for Andre in return. And it'd be really weird to have Marcus Hall and Andre Drummond on the same team. And so I, I just don't see any way that, uh, that Marcus Hall ends up a piston. Uh, 
David, are there any interesting Marcosol like destinations in your mind? Because like I'm I'm struggling to think of like who needs a Marcosol in a similar way. I'm thinking like who needs an Andre Drummond. I mean, you you kind of look at the same sort of trade partners, right? Like a Charlotte would be a team that could utilize uh, a Marcus Saul. You know, it's an upgrade at center. Although they do like Zeller, um, you know, you look at a team possibly. I don't know. I mean, the one thing that made me think Dallas would actually want an Andre Drummond is the fact that he's under contract and he's young. Um, they kind of did like a little spot, you know, fix with the DeAndre Jordan signing. So I'm kind of struggling too. But unlike Ben and. and at least from this, you know, hypothetical conversation, I actually prefer Marcus all if Detroit was going to make that move. Um, and that, and like you said, Zalaz, I don't necessarily think Memphis needs to make that move since they have uh, Jaron Jackson, but um, I like Marcus all's fit. The fact that he's a floor spacer, he's shooting 36% from three former depoy. Um, you know, they won't take a huge hit on rim protection and his contract expires at the end of next season. So he's not going to be re-signing for those, you know, $25 million types of type of deals um, a year. So I think that there's actually a little bit more green light in, in the sense and and just, you know, a little bit more options that Detroit would have if they were able to, to you know, get a Marcus All for an Andre Drummond, in my opinion. No, I mean, that that all that does is remind me that I didn't ask you the exact same question that I asked Ben. And so, like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I will say that Gasol's uh, final year as a player option he has a player option for like 26 mil next year and so if he opts into that uh he won't become a free agent at the end of this season and so it's not like technically an expiring deal but uh i think that's still actually less than what andre will make oh yeah that's year. what i meant i meant like the the following year oh, okay um, gotcha and then, and then also yeah it is less i think andre's making roughly around 28 million so i mean at this point detroit should be in like they should really be counting pennies because they're so close to the luxury tax as is that if that's the type of move that you're going to make, then it would make sense to, you know, try to do a small little upgrade for a season and see what you can do at least in free agency or bring that type of player back. Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting, you know, only because like, uh, uh, it, if you, if you shorten up the timeline, like Gasol's deal will be done before Andres. So you, you open up yourself up to having cap space, I think in 2020, um, even more cap space in 2020 that would enable you to uh, structure a team around Blake Griffin a little bit sooner but at the same time like 2020 is still two years from now or a year uh, two seasons from now give me a break on the on the passage of time but uh, yeah it's, it's not soon enough I guess um, all right well we're I'm kind of done with Memphis we'll move on to the next rumor which was from <laughs> the uh, random Twitter account at Scoop NBA, just that, yeah, totally, like, yeah, that you have scoops because you named yourself Scoop. That makes sense. But uh, the the whispers, according to that that guy, was a uh, uh, Nick Batum uh, from Charlotte, Malik Monk, and a first round pick for Andre Drummond. Um, Charlotte apparently is just like has eyes on Andre for some reason that I wouldn't fully understand. Uh, Ben, how, how would you feel about Nick Batum, Malik Monk, and a first for Andre Drummond? Dear God, no. That's it. Hey, you want to go into any like depth <laughs> about that? Or? I mean, why would you want Nick Batum's contract? Why would you want that contract? It is, I mean, right now the Pistons are in cap hell already. Charlotte's 
probably going to make the playoffs if they make this trade. So your first round pick is not particularly good, right? And, you know, Malik Monk is interesting, no doubt about it. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how this really makes them dramatically better. I think Andre Drum is the best player in that deal. Um, and look, Malik Monk is interesting, but I don't know why you would take on that just disastrous contract for uh, for the shot at a guy who's not yet really proven himself 100% yet. But yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like that one at all. So David, how do you feel? Let me ask you the exact same question this time. How do you <laughs> feel about Nick Batum, Malik Monk, and a first round with Drummond? I mean, to, to play devil's advocate a little bit here, you know, Batum actually kind of helps this team now, not in a sense that he's worth 52 mil over the next couple of seasons after this year, uh, which is bananas, but he is a, a 40% three-point shooter. He is, you know, he does spatially make a little bit more sense. He does, you know, you could figure out, you know, those Stanley Johnson GR3 minutes might be eaten up by Batum. Um, or not necessarily that GR3 is getting any minutes at this point. Uh, but this would be essentially, honestly, this is like a, if you believe in an addition by subtraction, you know, like the fact that Andre is there causes this team such spatial, you know, j- just non-abilities, just, just the fact that you're relying on two bigs, you, you are, that ship has sailed mentally for you. Then you would be making a move like this. I'm not there. You know, I would rather keep Dre and, pray that Stefanski can make the moves on the edges and, and make this team slightly more competitive. But um, yeah, I mean, that that's what you would have to believe. And, and I think, you know, honestly, shout out, there are some people in the Detroit bad boys community that I, that I do truly feel believe that an addition by subtraction move would be good for this team, but I'm not there yet with Andre Drummond. So David, what was your fake Andre trade to Charlotte? Um, the one that I had on the, on the podcast, podcast a couple weeks Sham. ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I would have to look that up. I don't remember. Let me look it up real quick. But you can, you know, make no. I, yeah, I'll filibuster a little bit. I, I do think that Charlotte is an interesting destination for Andre, if only it's because like the pairing of him and Kemba, which is like, uh, you know, something we had hoped to see in Detroit. But either way, like those those two guys seem like they would uh, their games would feed off one another very well. We've already seen what Andre is capable of with a pick and roll threat at a lower level than Kemba Walker is at right now and in Reggie Jackson and Reggie Jackson's healthy year in 2015. And so I think, I think a trade like that makes some sense for Charlotte if, uh, if they could get us to, to do that. But like, that's a, that's a swindle on their part. Uh, the Batum contract is bad enough to where like, if, if I give up Andre and I take Nick Batum, I don't want one first. I want two. I want two firsts and Malik Monk, I guess is like kind of half of a first, but I I don't think, I don't think he plays. I don't think he's a point guard in the NBA. I think he's a shooting guard and this team already has like five shooting guards. And so like, we don't really need a Nick Batum. If you took out Nick uh, or Malik Monk, excuse me, if you took out Monk and put in like miles bridges, maybe you could talk me down from like another pick from there. But uh, like no, it's just that trade does not really hold any interest for me. Um, that would also preclude the Pistons like needing to trade for another center, right? Because they trade a wing and a guard for a big, and all of a sudden, like now Zaza's the starting guy. So like now you got to trade, uh, you got to 
I don't know, you trade Stanley for a center or something, or you trade Ish for a center or something. Like it, it, that kind of a move uh, precludes like too many other dominoes falling for me to be for me to be comfortable with it. Oh, and yeah, and then if you trade Ish for a center, you're playing Jose Calderon again. So right. have you have you gotten anywhere by doing that? Or like maybe Malik Monk is your backup point guard. Is like is that where you like really want to be? Like maybe I don't I don't think so. And plus like another and like David said, another first round pick. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this draft. And so like yeah, two bites at the apple is great. And like you you don't know what kind of players are going to be available at. Uh, like say I assume Charlotte would make the playoffs if they took this trade. So say like 16 or 17 or something, but like if you get one guy at 10 and one guy at 17, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure that you'll get two normal number, normal like lottery ish picks uh, in this draft uh, at 10 and 17 just because the draft is very top heavy and after that it's a bunch of question marks yeah it's not the situation uh, is that enough filibuster no, yeah it's not the situation like the clippers had where they had like 11 and 12 this year you know like that that right. and, and in a solid draft right like you know shy gilge fell to them yeah and and, and and they screwed up 11 like jerome robinson is like not a dude you take win a lottery this is like yeah. yeah, but that's a two bites, right? That's that's something where you are actually kind of you know taking taking a risk there at least. But um, with with the trade that I had proposed for in Charlotte, this was also based on what was coming out, you know, from uh, from Charlotte at least that we saw on Twitter a couple weeks ago, which was uh, Drummond to Charlotte for Frank Kaminsky, Nicholas Batum in a first. So it, it's essentially a worse trade. Um, so I. I you know, I was never really a big fan about it, but I just thought circulating, so I thought it was something that would make sense to kind of bring up. Ben, if uh, if Nick Batum, Malik Monk in a first is oh god no, what does a uh, Frank Kaminsky, Nick Batum in a first uh, elicit? Uh, retirement from <laughs> Detroit Pistons fandom. Look, I mean, Andre Drummond. Th- th- there is not a worse time imaginable to try to train Andre. Andre Drummond. Everybody knows the Pistons need to shake up the roster, right? There's no question about it. Everybody knows the Pistons don't want to have as much money invested as they do in the front court. And everybody knows that Andre Drummond's skill set, although valuable, is not as valuable in the NBA as it was, you know, five, ten years ago. So to me, like, why would you why would you try to move him now just to maybe become the seventh seed? I, I don't know. To me, I, I would just be a little more patient and try to find a little better trade partner this summer than either one of these. Ben, two can I ask you a question just based on, you know, the, the timeline that, that we're proposing here, I guess, do, do you, oh, yeah, do course. you really think that there's not necessarily that there's going to be um, that this time is, isn't a bad time to be trading Andre Drummond, but do you think that there's going to be a better time that there's going to be somehow teams are going to value his stock more or all of a sudden realize that, they're in desperation of a center who can't space the floor. I, I'm under the assumption now where it's like, you know, you're you're probably going to lose an Andre Drummond trade if you make one at all. And I don't necessarily see a, a scenario in the future where you are looking to trade Andre Drummond where you're going to get a better net return than at any point over the last couple of years. I think that's there's a lot of truth to that. I think the thing I would hope for um is that one of the Pistons' potential assets could be used in a trade with Andre Drummond to get you something better than the worst contract in the NBA in a first-round pick? Like, I, 
there just there just has to be something better than that. And then the other part of my rationale here is that neither of these trades move the needle. I mean, if you trade Andre Drummond away, okay, you're essentially trading away for cap room. Um, cap room for the Pistons it has limited utility. I mean, look at what the Pistons were able to do under Stan Van Gundy, right? A guy who has total control of the front office and the coaching staff. John Luer, Langston Galloway, I mean, Jody Meeks, those are the kinds of free agents the Pistons have been able to attract. So, you know, if we trade Andre Drummond for the cap room to go get, you know, a John Luer and two Langston Galloways, like who cares? What difference does that make? To me, it makes very little. So I think, I think you have to be patient. Otherwise, you're going to end up not getting, the, you're going to end up in, in no better situation than you are now you're just going to have maybe a slightly better fit next to Blake Griffin. And maybe that gets you three or four extra wins over the course of the season. To me, I don't know. I would just rather, I would rather buy my time and and maybe hope that getting the right point guard makes, um, you know, something like an Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin front court work a little better than it's worked this season because the offense is about as dysfunctional as I can imagine it ever having been. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the thread through all of these trades for me is like philosophically, like I prefer waiting. I, I think this season is pretty much a loss. I, I don't see much way around it because, e- you know, even if they do make a trade that makes them a little bit better right now, let's say they get to the eighth seed or the seventh seed, they're, they're going to get spanked, right? They're probably going to get swept. And, um, you know, moving into an offseason where they don't have any better flexibility than they do now, I, I would rather... Can I just make one quick counterpoint to that, which would be the, the, yeah, the fact that, I mean, you ask anyone right now with the current cap situation with Detroit, if they're going to be able to re-sign a Reggie Bullock, who is, you know, I think someone, I think it might have been Steve who said that is he's realistically Detroit's second best player this season. Um, you know, the, that he would not be attainable right now with their current cap situation if you are able to make a trade leverage some some cap situation maybe bring in an expiring uh contract for you know an Andre Drummond and I think we're going to get into this a little bit later um but that would be a situation where Detroit would actually have some flexibility to bring back a Reggie Bullock um you know there might be some good feelings there that he was the team that kind of salvage his NBA career. Maybe he kind of wants to see it through, not saying that that's going to be the case, but that it actually gives them the opportunity to do that with right now as the cap currently is um, with the Pistons and, and going into free agency. If this team remains the same, it, it's there's just no possible way that that Reggie Bullock comes back. I think you're right that Reggie Bullock probably gets priced out of the Pistons market without a significant uh, overhaul on the Pistons part. I think that is an unfortunate reality. That's an unfortunate part of Stan Van Gundy's legacy as he put the team in a situation to have to make that decision. I guess from my perspective, though, we know what a Blake Griffin, Reggie Bullock team is, and it's not good enough. Um, I, first of all, I don't buy the assumption that Reggie Bullock is the Pistons' second best player. He's probably their second best offensive player. Um, I think this team is fundamentally the front court. I think Andre and Reggie are responsible for the overwhelming majority of the Pistons wins. Um, but, you know, to me, you, you give up Andre Drummond to bring back Reggie Bullock. Okay. Then you're essentially the same team as you are right now, minus Andre Drummond. So unless you really believe something the way, you know, you talked about earlier, addition by subtraction, just removing Andre D- Drummond sparks something. 
all you've done is just remove Andre Drummond. You haven't, you know, you haven't created the space to do anything over and above Reggie Bullock because, you know, his cap hold is going to be what his cap hold is going to be. You're not going to have anything other than the mid-level exception, which you would have anyways. So, I, I mean, subtract Andre Drummond from this team and that's where you are a year from now. I don't know. That doesn't seem too appealing to me either. So I think there there actually is some wiggle room to bring back Reggie, even without trading Andre. Uh, it, it'd be difficult. And I think that uh, it assumes a level of contract that may not really be realistic. Like, okay, if Reggie Bullock... It assumes the luxury tax, though, doesn't it? And I think that's where it I... It depends. If Reggie Bullock is going to make $15 million next year, like, no, you, you can't bring him back. If Reggie Bullock is going to make $12 million next year, like, you you might be able to make that work with the way the cap uh, is going to rise and with uh, the expiring money that you do have coming off the books. It would it would uh, preclude some other things. You'd probably have to renounce Stanley. Um, oh darn! I'm so sad about and that. And you'd have and you'd be basically like using minimums to replace Ish and Zaza, which is like you were already using minimums at third string point guard and backup center anyway. So I guess it's not that's not a huge loss, but uh, it it doesn't make your team necessarily like that much better than it is right now. But uh, you know, I think there is there is room to retain Reggie Bullock. It just severely like limits uh, you doing being able to do anything else. But to go all yeah. the way back to David's original question, I think if I don't want to trade Andre Drummond, but I think if you did want to trade Andre Drummond, I think this upcoming offseason would not be a terrible time to do it. Um, there will be some teams who strike out on free agents. Um, there will be some teams that. Um, that miss on guys. Uh, I don't know what kind of contract Nikola Vucevic is going to get. I don't know what kind of contract uh, Boogie Cousins is going to get, but uh, there are going to be teams who um, feel like they need a center um, are, you know, aren't watching Andre Drummond every single day. Like they were during the season, see the production and say like, you know, we're, we're willing to uh, offer an upgrade or we're, we're willing to take an upgrade at center um, for like a, a downgrade in salary. Basically, I think you could convince some teams to do that. Uh, I'm looking at like a Charlotte or um, if, you know, if a Sacramento gets really close to the playoffs this year um, and decides that they want to compete and doesn't feel like Willie Cauley-Stein and uh, uh, Harry Giles like makes them any better. um, That would be an interesting destination. Um, Dallas, Dallas has been looking for a center forever. And, you know, with DeAndre off their books. I think that um, they could do like a sign and trade type deal maybe. But I think there are teams that would be willing to trade for Andre Drummond. It would just be easier to do that after the season is is over, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and like philosophically, unless there's some trade that nobody's really imagined, right, like that's super beneficial or advantageous to Detroit comes about, like my thought is this season is probably a wash and – this summer is when you make your move to to try to build around Blake Griffin. I think that's inevitably what's going to occur. I just I feel like these trades right now. I mean, they just don't move the needle far enough to get me convinced that Andre Drummond is is worth trading. All right, so let's let's go through uh, one more fake trade that was a uh, is a definite needle mover, but uh, a needle mover in the uh, on the left, on like the the bad side towards zero uh the ringer 
had a freelance guy propose a fake trade of Blake Griffin for Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, straight up, no picks. Uh, David, how do you feel about uh, that fake trade? I mean, I've said this before, just on Twitter and wherever else, but I don't think the Pistons should be in any mindset right now to be moving on from Blake Griffin. Um, you know, you just acquired him, you know, about a year ago at this point. He's produced at as high as a level as you could possibly ask. Um, he's a bona fide all-star. I don't think he's necessarily going to take a dip with what the way that he's been able to kind of maneuver his game over the course of his career. So just the fact of a trade involving Blake in my own mind right now is just like a no-go depending on, you know, what you're getting. And for this to be the type of package that you bring back, this isn't selling high on Blake Griffin. You know, you're getting an unproven point guard who could be, no offense, Laz, you know, Emmanuel Moutier 2.0. Um, you're getting a small forward who's overpaid, whose numbers are dropping. It doesn't solve anything for the now, and it could be just a gigantic net loss for the future. So for me, this is just a huge hard pass. Uh, ben, how do you feel about uh, Har- Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. for Blake Griffin straight up? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not the biggest. I have not been the biggest proponent of, of the Blake Griffin experiment. He has certainly been better offensively this season than I would ever have imagined and is a complete nightmare for teams to try to deal with. Um, I still question whether or not moving on from him should be the long-term strategy. Not, not, it's not even about him. It's about whether or not they can build anything worthwhile around him. Um, but this trade is ridiculous. It's absolutely not a non-starter. This trade is uh, so bad. I had a Mavs guy like DM me and be like, are, is like is everything okay like why is the ringer like <laughs> sending you guys like these fake trades and i was like i don't know man like it's like things are bad but they ain't this bad not yet at least like it, one you you if you do this trade you have dennis smith jr reggie jackson ish smith all in the same team that doesn't make any sense <laughs> uh two if if you do this trade you have like a starting lineup of like Reggie Jackson, Reggie Bullock, Harrison Barnes, John Luer, or like Stanley Johnson and Andre Drummond like that. That just sounds like really bad. Like, I don't understand like what, what that's about. Um, if, if Dallas did this, they would be starting like Jalen Brunson, Wesley Matthews, Luca Blake and Deandre. And at that point you're just like, you're the Clippers again, but like Luca, Luca is better than, uh, anybody the Clippers had like last year, but like he's still 19 and like, I don't know how much pressure you want to put on him. Uh, also, like you don't want to sign, you don't want to resign DeAndre anyway. So you're just going to like reunite Blake and DeAndre to split them apart again. Is This trade is really weird from like a lot of different angles. I don't understand it. I think when you, yeah, yeah. But, but I think when you even look back on just the optics of this trade and you look at what Detroit essentially sent out, for Blake Griffin last year, you know, you can talk about the salary filler of Avery Bradley and Boban and whatnot, but I'm not necessarily counting them. You know, you traded away a Tobias Harris who was under contract for two years uh, or for that year and at least the next year and a first round pick. And you would essentially be turning Tobias Harris and, you know, shy Gilgis Alexander for Dennis Smith Jr. And Harrison Barnes, like that is a, an actual complete loss. Like you can just look at it on paper right now. And you would say, which two players would you rather have? And I think most of 
the NBA community would say you know, Tobias Harris and Shai Gilgis Alexander compared to um, you know having DSJ and um, Harrison Barnes. It just doesn't necessarily the optics of it are just awful in my opinion. No, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, so that that ends the. Well, that doesn't have to end the the fake trade uh, bonanza we had planned for this podcast. Uh, do either of you guys have any uh, like superstar fake trades that you've been you've been working on uh, in your spare time? I had one that I'm just going to pull up. Just give me a second. Actually, no, I, no, I, think yeah, I remember for it. it. It's um, oh uh, no, there was something I had to make the money work. So give me two seconds, and I'm gonna. ignore the money for now i'm more curious like philosophically like what what you're going this is a trade that that is kind of not necessarily a um addition by subtraction in the sense of like the nicholas batum contract and um you know his play style compared to uh you know um who i'm going to be saying here but um this trade would be drummond in galloway and glenn robinson the third i brought this up on on inside the cylinder Drummond, Galloway, and GR3 to Chicago for Jabari Parker and Robin Lopez. One thing to note, and I know Ben has kind of noted this already, Jabari and Robin Lopez are both expiring deals because Jabari's contract is a team option, which will obviously not be picked up at $20 million. But you get a little bit of the Jabari Parker experience, which probably isn't that great, but you do have Robin Lopez who might be a more seamless fit next to an Andre Drummond. Is that something that either of you guys would entertain? Because you are getting off of Galloway's, you know, contract next season. GR3 had a team option, so he wasn't going to be picked up anyways. But what are your thoughts on that? So I have liked the way that Jabari Parker has played lately and don't think his career is just like a complete wash just yet. And so like I would be interested in the look at Jabari Parker um robin lopez is a guy who i don't think he would be happy to come to detroit it sounds like he wants to go to a team that's having a little bit more success on the year uh, than detroit has but uh, he's definitely like a consummate professional that would he's a guy who knows his role and i think that would be in the that's in the vein you're right of a addition by subtraction more of like what steve would be looking for if he were here and allows me to speak for him but uh, so that's that's interesting. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like that's what, like 30 ish, 35 ish million dollars in expiring room. I don't know. I don't know what the Pistons can can do with that. Like if if I was doing that trade, I would be looking to I would I'm, I'm still looking to do this anyway, but I would be looking to ship out Reggie for expiring money as well to clear out, you know, like, you know, another 18 or so million dollars. So like now I've got like 50 million dollars to play with. And like that's how I'm gonna build around Blake with like the uh, with you know 18 million dollars of expiring money from Reggie and you know 30 million dollars of expiring money from uh, Jabari and, and Robin Lopez and I'd be interested in bringing Jabari back but at a much lower number than 20 million. You could million. also bring Robin Lopez back at a, a lot lesser of a contract than what he's on right now. You could target a guy like Darren Collinson in free agency and actually have a team that while it doesn't have the the star power that um you know a lot of nba clubs have it just might be a team that fits so much better around a blake griffin um that would also be money you know hypothetically here to re-sign a reggie bullock where the team actually just 
fits a little bit more, at least on paper, and, and could be something that could be, you know, at least an entertaining six seed in the Eastern Conference compared to what we're watching right now. Yeah. I will say that Chicago has Laurie Markin in long term. They have Wendell Carter Jr. long term. I don't know if and they have Bobby Bordis. I don't know if they're in the center market long term money like Andre would be for them. But uh I like the I like the gumption. I like the idea. And Jabari's Park Jabari Parker's contract is one of those that's like large enough to do some to some strange trades with. Uh Ben, uh is that I know that's addition by subtraction, but uh, how are you feeling about that philosophically? So I, I want to answer that by talking about the Pistons cap profile. Um, if you look at a trade like this that moves one or two guys for expiring deals, I don't think the cap ends up being as friendly as sort of the back of the napkin math looks like because – Okay, for example, in that scenario, retain Reggie Bullock. Okay, so you've got his cap hold, which I I believe becomes 200% of his salary. You're going to have cap holds for every single one of your roster spots. That's open, which in this case, you vacate Drummond's, GR3's, Ish is on an expiring deal, so his, Calderon's, Pachulia's, Ellenson's. Okay, so you've got at least a minimum salary for every one of those that you have cap holds for. Then you also have a cap hold for your first-round pick. So your cap room ends up not being nearly equivalent to the amount of salaries you're sending out and bringing back in terms of expiring. So this is ultimately hard to talk about on a podcast because you really need a visual to really see it. But you'd have, you know, essentially like six guys under contract and then you'd have six cap holds, right? Eating up at least a million dollars each, one of them potentially eating up as much as four or five million, depending on how lucky you get in the lottery. So you, you end up with, you know, 20 million in room to 25 million in room, which is not nothing. But again, when you look at, you know, John Luer's contract was almost $10 million. There's half of it right there, right? So you just end up with a lot less cap room than you think you would because of the way the CBA works. Yeah, I think there's timings where you can renounce your own free agents to clear cap room. So I think that's what you you if you don't if you don't exercise like Jabari's team option and then renounce him like that twenty million that twenty oh, yeah, million's yeah. gone. Um, oh yeah, 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 for sure. But I was thinking more like you know you'd have okay you'd have Blake, Reggie Jackson, um, John Luer, Langston Galloway. You'd have six. Yeah, so you yeah you're right. You'd have the two two rooks, Kennard, one two three four. You'd have five or six guys under contract, right? Then you'd have Reggie Bullock. You want to bring him back. You'd have his cap hold. Then you'd have all the open roster spots and your first round pick cap holds. Those are the cap holds I was talking about, which Reggie's would be four to five million. Your draft picks three to five million, then minimum salary. So you end up eating like 10 to 12 million in cap room just in your cap holds. No, yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, that that gives you some room to like make trades and stuff um, during the offseason. But I, I see what you're saying. That does not. A trade like that doesn't make you as flexible as as you'd like to be. Right. You don't get up to like the mega max, right? Like you don't get up to that 30 well, plus million dollar. And, and it's, as long as you have one guy making the max in Blake Griffin, it's going to be really hard no matter what to clear enough space to make yeah. enough room for another max guy and have enough like roster spots out that aren't like just vet men's dudes at the vet men. Okay. But no, that's that was an interesting hypothetical, David. I appreciate you you bringing that to us. 
um, to go something a little bit more concrete, we had uh, we had a discussion of what the Pistons are actually like looking at at the trade deadline moving forward from uh, Ed Stefanski. He appeared on the Pistons.com podcast. You should not be shocked that like that's the only podcast he's going to appear on. But uh, his thoughts were basically like this is a quote from him. Uh, they're in a hold. He was like, well, he's like, you know, the guys on the, the traders talk about it as buy, sell and hold. And so they're holding right now. Um, they're not looking for for cap relief. They're not looking for uh, any type of uh, long term salary. But uh, and if something happens, it'll be a little bit closer than the deadline. They don't want to trade out uh, first round picks or uh, they don't want to attach assets um, to to make uh, any kind of uh, big deal. I mean, I think they I think the way Derry worded it was like if if you could get he asked about Bradley Beal and Stefanski was like, yeah, like if we can get Bradley Beal, like I'll trade the first round pick. But like if but like since that's not going to happen, like I'm not going to trade the first round pick. Like that personally was like very encouraging to me because that and that shows you the strength of, you know, um, having a regime that just came in and doesn't feel like they're fighting for their jobs uh, right away, despite a, a by any standard disappointing season. Uh, David, how, how did you listen to the Stefanski podcast? Like, how, how did how did you think about what uh, Ed was? I talking mean, about? there there was part of yeah, I listened to it. I, I thought that there was, you know. He did ask him, you know, at the end of that, it's like, so you're not moving the first round pick. And then uh, Dreary asked uh, Stefanski that. And Stefanski's like, well, we're never saying never now. You know, if there's a move that makes us better now, you know, that that made me think, kind of brought me back a little bit to the Conley trade, honestly, just from like a mental perspective. Maybe it's because I was prepping for this very episode. Um, So I I didn't necessarily make me think that he's going to be holding on to it um, at all costs, it, it did sound like, and he pointed to his history of, um, you know, being at places and not necessarily being, you know, uh, gun shy. So I, I didn't take away from it the same thing that you did. Um, but in general, he seemed like he was, you know, as he said, he, I did believe his position that they are in a hold. Um, he did make it seem like these next 12 days or so are going to be vital to what the Detroit's going to be, do- be doing at the trade deadline. And just based on how I've seen this team perform and, you know, with the East being as bad as it is, it's it's hard for me to kind of tell where they're going to be at in playoff positioning come that time. Um, but if they are, you know, a few games behind the eighth seed, um, you know, I could see them realistically moving on from Reggie Bullock just for the fact that he is going to be expiring. There's going to be teams that need a Reggie Bullock. So that was one thing that kind of ma- made my ears perk was when he talked about Reggie Bullock in the sense that, hey, he's probably going to be the first to fall if the thing, this thing really kind of starts to spiral out of control. Ben, uh, did you uh, did you listen to the podcast and what was your takeaways similar to David's or something else? I did listen to the podcast. Uh, I thought it was actually, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of softball, right? He's playing softball questions given the venue. Um, you know, I haven't know what, known what to make of Stefanski up to this point. Uh, I felt like this, you know, brief 20 or so minute interview with him actually gave me more confidence in him than I'd had. Um, I think he said a few interesting things that um, kind of on face value don't necessarily look like much, but when you really take them into consideration, dig a little deeper, show that I think he has a better handle on the roster and its shortcomings than, than maybe I would have thought going into it. So um, 
you know, what I ultimately heard was, yes, they're not looking to make any sort of move that makes them marginally better this year at the expense of two or three years from now. I personally find that encouraging. I've kind of spelled out my reasons why. I, I just think the time to make a deal will be this summer as opposed to the deadline. Um, I liked what he had to say uh, about Reggie Bullock because I think Reggie's a valuable player. I think he's going to get paid, and I'd like to bring him back. I like what he said about Reggie Bullock and Blake Griffin having developed a very strong chemistry with each other. And I like that because that's evidently true. Like when you dig deeper beyond the eye test and actually look at the numbers and, and our own Mike Snyder has done a, a lot, especially around that dynamic. So that was interesting for me to hear. The fact that he's tuned into that is important. Um, I also heard that uh, the, the first round pick is definitely not off the table in the right situation. Uh, similar kind of conversation around Luke Kennard. It looks like he'd be willing to part with either of those assets, but only if it's a trade that's particularly advantageous. So, um, you know, I, I was actually encouraged. It, it made me feel a little bit optimistic uh, about the fact that the team isn't going to try to go all in on this iteration of the team. Um, you know, something that David mentioned earlier that I, I agree with, and I have to reverse myself on this because when the Pistons acquired Blake Griffin, I was very nervous about his longevity. Um, to me, the, the things that I remembered about him right away were the high-flying dunks and Lob City and all that kind of stuff. Um, the extent to which he has transformed his offensive game uh, has been particularly impressive to me. And I think David is correct to say that game is probably going to age better than most of us would have thought. So, you know, we talk about Blake Griffin's window. Maybe you have all the way through the end of his contract to build an offense around him where he can really carry a significant load because he isn't necessarily relying on, you know, monster dunks and high flying. He's, he's really relying on footwork and positioning and passing and a much improved three-point shot. So um, obviously Stefanski is going to be in tune with that as well. So the, the patience, the holding, I think that's a good thing. It's a frustrating thing as a fan because this season has been extremely frustrating. It probably means the rest of the season is going to stay frustrating. Um, but hopefully the patience pays off in a few months. So there was one more uh, name that you brought up, Ben, that I wanted to ask you, David, uh, specifically about in the interview. Stefanski said he valued Luke Kennard at about uh, a first-round pick. He essentially viewed him as, as, as valuable as a first-round pick this year. Um, do you think that's a, a proper approximation of Luke's value on the open market? And I guess like the, what do you think that means for like any potential trades like with Luke, with Luke in them? Um, I mean, I thought that the valuation was spot on, honestly. Uh, I, you know, I think that he's, as Stefanski has said, has proven that he is definitely a solid NBA player. He's going to be for years to come. He's going to be a guy that, you know, you're going to expect him to have better shooting seasons than he's had this season, maybe more reflective of his, his rookie year. Um, and especially if he does start to, you know, have the confidence that young players eventually start to grow into with their shot, with their shot selection, with their sort of just tenacity and aggressiveness, I would expect that to tick up. And I would expect teams to see that he might be a little tentative at times, maybe currently with his role, maybe currently just with his age and, and be able to believe in the fact that he's going to kind of take those necessary next steps. So I would value him at that as well. And, you know, honestly, I, I would, especially with this upcoming draft and you're talking about, 
you know, some of the trades that we were at least talking about where you're looking at guys in the 17, 18 range, I would value Luke higher than that. You know, I would value Luke higher than, you know, some of these, you know, misguided, casted point guards that the Pistons have been, you know, kind of tied to and like the Markel Fultz and the Dennis Smith Jr. I kind of have a little bit more belief, at least right now in a Luke Kennard. So I, I take solace in that. And I, and I do agree with both of your mentalities, essentially that the team is, Stefanski has a team on the right track and isn't going to kind of just swing for the fences and hope something happens. So that did give me a sense of, um, I don't know, calmness and, and belief in, in the organization. I think that is as good a place to end this podcast as any. Um, so Ben, this week, uh, we have a couple more days off. They had three days off after the Dallas game, which led initially led me to believe that they might try and uh, make a trade in between now and their next game because, you know, three days off is, a, is an eternity uh, in the NBA. But it doesn't sound like that will happen. So they play this week Milwaukee at home, Dallas at home, and the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers come to Detroit. Again, that'll be a fun uh, revenge game for Blake Griffin. Uh, ben, how many games did Pistons win uh, this week? I think I like the Dallas game because it's at home. I think they win that one. Milwaukee, it's going to take a miracle for them to beat Milwaukee this year. Milwaukee's just better. Um, who was the third one? Uh, the Clippers. Clippers. Clippers revenge game. Um, you know, that's a coin flip for me. I, the Clippers are a better team, I think. But um, Pistons are at home. Blake was a monster the first time they played. Um, will that carry over to the Little Caesars Arena? We'll see. Uh, so that's a coin flip for me. So I'm going to say one and one in a coin flip. All right, David, same question. Yeah, I mean, I think the Pistons get smoked by the Bucks. Um, I think that Dallas is going to be that sort of revenge game. I'm going to expect another big game out of Blake and hopefully, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan to be a, a little bit more quiet forcibly from how the game is kind of going on. Uh, and then I agree with Ben that it's a, really a coin flip. Um, and right now, with the way that the Pistons season has been going, I would say that it wouldn't go in the Pistons' favor. So I'm going to say one and two. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. Uh, Milwaukee, as we've all said, is is quite good and, and better than the Pistons in every single way. Um, I think that they probably lose the Dallas game in a close one again. Um, nothing I saw from the the way the bench played. Uh, in that Dallas guy game made me think that uh, they could pull that out. Well, uh, maybe Ish will be back by then, but even then, uh, that that doesn't necessarily uh, portent well for them. And then I think uh, another vengeance game is in store. I think that every single time Blake plays the Clippers from here until eternity, he'll want to drop 40 on them. And until they have somebody who can stop him from doing that, which they currently don't, uh, he may just do that. And so, uh, yeah, one and two will be pretty rough this week. I will say, though, um, you know, the East remains uniformly terrible. Um, or Miami is losing to the Knicks right now. Uh, Kemba left uh, Charlotte's last game with a mild neck strain, which is not some, that's three words that like, I don't think you want to see in combination with one another all the time. And, you know, the, the wizards have been streaking, but, um, you know the this team is is so so damn close so damn close to just putting uh any semblance of an offense together would would be enough i think to get them into the playoffs and it remains to be seen whether or not that occurs this year can i just give a quick quick uh 
I owe, I owe you guys an apology. You know, I owe the Detroit Bad Boys pod an apology. Um, mainly because of the Stanley Johnson stuff. You know, I think that uh, both, uh, at least Ben for sure, and I, I think Laz, you know, over the course of the month had, you know, kind of heeded his warning. Um, but, you know, I had written in, I think, the Stanley Johnson season review from last year to, to not listen to you guys and, and to not give up hope. on um stanley johnson but but i am 1000 percent in the camp of giving up all hope on him as as being a good player on the detroit pistons so i wanted to be able to to come on here and reconcile some things and and just you know at least get my stance out there to the people where it hurts me to say it but you know i've come around and i've been around now you know for the last you know at least since early december so I'm, i'm kind of off on that right now it it hurts to be right. That's one thing I didn't want to be right about. But yeah, I was right. Yeah, man, you write in a sucked. very, very uh, aggressive fashion because it's been damn hard to watch. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Well, first of all, no apology needed. Second of all, uh, I hope no one is keeping score about all the things I get wrong because otherwise I'm going to owe everybody lots of apologies. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we'll be here all day. We, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope you're not keeping score, David, because no, I'm no, sure I, mean, I'm I am too, man. But, uh, you know, I, I had written it in text. <laughs> I had tweeted it out. So, you know, I I need to come in. And this is more for me than, it's you know, it's cathartic for me. So, okay. I hear you. I hear we, you. We, we love and accept you for the mistake that you made. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, shout out your Twitter handle and, and your podcast again so so people can listen to uh, to more of your information and, and get more of your insight about the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, so stated. I'm on the at, at on Twitter at the underscore Fernantula, F-E-R-N-A-N-T-U-L-A. I actually have a boatload of Pistons previews coming out um, for on DetroitBadBoys.com, so keep an eye out for those. And then inside the cylinder, you know, we are on – all your major podcast streaming services. And also you can find our, our, some of our web pages on DetroitBadBoys.com as well. So yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me on Liz. I really appreciate it. And Ben, I appreciate it. No. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, ben, what's, uh, what's the best place for people to talk to you about uh, the Pistons and the way the season's been going? <laughs> uh, you can always find me on Twitter at BR Gulker. Shout out to David's Twitter handle, which I love. Absolutely. Fantastic. Twitter handle and and last year's is good too. I mean, mine is just such a dumb Twitter handle opposed to you guys, but uh, yeah, hit me up anytime. I mean, and you've been a lot more vocal in the comments lately, Ben. Don't think I haven't noticed that either. <laughs> I have. I've been wandering back in. Um, I'm I'm still trying so hard to find like an hour to write a piece on Andre Drummond, but sick kiddo, busy work schedule. It just gets really tough to do it. So, but but thanks for for saying. Oh uh, yeah, the it. the pressures of life eat away at all of us. And, you know, mm-hmm. my Twitter handle is my name as well. So my name's just cooler. It's it's not because, like, <laughs> I'm more inventive or anything. My name is just nice. That name is uh, Laz Chance. It's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E on Twitter. Um, you can also just, you know, go to DBB. I don't know if I've got any previews or anything coming out uh, this week. But uh, if, if anything does drop, it'll be there. And so should you. Uh, This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week.